0: Or on the Instagram handle Sparking Wholeness. And now get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and today I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I am going to just sit down and have a conversation with you one on one, and we are gonna talk about weight loss and how to lose weight and how to sustain weight loss. And, you know, we're gonna talk about New Year's resolutions. I, you know, last year, I think it was, Sometime in January, I did an entire episode that's New Year, same me. And it, at that point, I was really in this whole anti-diet zone and anti-intentional pursuit of weight loss. And I, I think there's there's a balance, right? And I think I am constantly changing my nutritional philosophy. I'm constantly trying to learn more so that I can help other people. I'm trying to get into the research and analyze everything so that you don't have to, so that you don't have to spend your time doing that and wasting time because it's really confusing when you're not going to be a health coach or going to be a nutritionist or something like that. It's, it's confusing for the regular person who is really just trying to make it through her day and wanting to know what to eat. So we are going to talk a little bit about weight loss. I am not completely anti weight loss maybe as i was in the past and i do think that for a lot of people you might feel like you are not as comfortable in your clothes this time of year maybe you're not feeling like you can move as well as you used to maybe you have felt like you've gained just kind of some puffiness throughout this covid time period which is really really normal and we will talk about why and so, and so I don't want to shame anyone for wanting to lose weight. And I feel like maybe I've kind of done that in the past in, in some of the ways that I've talked about weight loss. And I don't, I don't want to do that for anybody. I want to meet you where you are in your health journey. That's always been my goal. And that's why I've never wanted to... You know, push my views on anybody. I want you to be your own health advocate. So I really want to talk about the subject of weight loss in a way that's balanced. I want to give you some practical tips. I want to give you some things to look at, maybe some things that you haven't looked at before in order to help you find what's right for you in the new year. Because, you know, right now, everybody's pushing something. I am pushing a program, a New New Year program, full transparency. Like, I do want to help people get started fresh in the new year. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But there's so much out there. It's really hard to decide what's beneficial, what's helpful, and what is just noise and somebody wanting to take your money, right? (laughs) So let's talk about just... Calories. Okay, let's talk about calorie restriction, first of all, because that is probably the most popular thing that people go to when they want to lose weight. We have MyFitnessPal, we have all of these calorie trackers, all these different things that help people monitor their calories. And, you know, I have spent, when I went to nutrition school, I spent hours studying every single nutrition and dietary theory there is. And I will say that statistically speaking, dieting, changing your eating habits, for the sole purpose of losing weight, it doesn't work. 95% of people who lose weight through a specific diet, they gain it back in two to five years, and over 50% of those people end up gaining more, leaving them at a higher weight than they were to begin with. And that can be so frustrating. And I know so many people who have talked about how they are on the yo-yo cycle, or maybe they used to be able to diet and lose restrict calories, whatever it is, and lose weight, and it was no problem for them, but as they get older, they can't do that, and yes, some of that could be part of aging, but there are other reasons. When you are heavily restricting calories for a long period of time, your body adjusts to that lesser amount. Our bodies are an amazing design, okay? Our bodies are, are created to withstand so much, and so our bodies will adjust to whatever cal- caloric amount that you are giving body. So that when you do regain the weight, and again, 95% of people do, you must continue to consume this smaller amount of calories to maintain the heavier weight that you started with. And there have been a lot of different studies on this. The Biggest Loser study is the biggest one. You can look at that. You can look at all of those former Biggest Loser contestants and how they ended up gaining more weight afterwards. But in order to maintain that heavier weight, they had to restrict their calories more than what they started with. I mean, it's just a crazy process because your body is trying to fight for homeostasis. And so you you have a set point weight. We all have a set point weight, but that set point weight is always going to creep up if your body senses that there is famine, that there's restriction and when I'm talking about caloric restriction, I'm talking about really low calories. And that is something we've been told to do for a really long time. And and then you add in the fact that our modern day food supply, and especially a lot of times on these diets, I am not going to name any names, but I know that there's a really popular diet system out there that people are flocking to. And it kind of blows my mind because it is filled with processed ingredients. You have to eat a crazy low amount, and that's very stressful on your body, a crazy low amount of calories. Um, It also contains a lot of synthetic vitamins that many of us cannot absorb. And I would just really caution you to stay away from something that, that is telling you that Brussels sprouts might be too high of carb, but go ahead and eat this chemically processed bar instead. Like to me, that's just like a Anyway, and that that's one popular diet that is on out there right now that a lot of people, I'm sure, are going to be jumping on board with in January. So, yeah, so the modern-day food supply is very nutrient-poor itself, right? There are antibiotics in, in our meat, and we are constantly consuming antibiotics. And then there are other prescription meds that we a lot of times need, but it can really mess with our nutrient balance, with our gut. And then you top it all off with, we are living stressed out, fast paced lives. More so, I think, than ever before, where it's just chronic low grade stress over time. And it really seems like the odds are against us. And it's even harder. Remember that word homeostasis, our body's trying to find balance. It is really harder. It gets harder to do that. And it doesn't feel very fair. So, um, if you're sitting here th- thinking like them, what am I supposed to do? I want you to stop and thank your ancestors for your ability to store fat. Because, guess what? If it wasn't for them and their fat storing capabilities, you wouldn't be here to complain about your metabolism. <laughs> Our bodies don't know the difference between a diet or a famine and so again if you're heavily restricting if you're doing that new popular diet that's crazy low calorie and all of this like prepackaged processed food your body's going oh my gosh when am I ever going to eat real food again I don't know so let me hold on to this weight right thank your ancestors for that good job ancestors for staying alive and giving me this ability to keep putting on that weight Um, and and then here's the other thing here's the other side to things I I really want to make sure that we are keeping a level head about There are so many people that are at a, now I'm putting this in air quotes, you can't see me, but I'm putting it in air quotes. They're at an acceptable weight according to society standards, but they have a ton of issues going on that get overlooked because they seem healthy on the outside or their doctors look at their weight and they're like, ah, your BMI is okay. But I've talked to so many people who suffer from thyroid, other autoimmune disorders, maybe something like IBS, and those things can go unchecked until it's way too late and they're really suffering because from the outside they look fine we really can't determine what anybody's health is actually like just from looking at them on the outside so I think it's really time to rethink the idea of weight and health and dieting and so my approach is not a very traditional one according to you know the last 50, 60 years of nutrition, Uh, but it really is about restoring balance in a way that is often overlooked, but it's more of an ancestral approach of going back to the beginning before we started intentionally dieting and before we started messing with this homeostasis. So let me remind you that even though I work with clients and I do have my own programs and I do have supplement brands that I promote, just remember there are no one size fits all solutions for weight loss. If anybody tells you that run, if anybody says that they have the solution run. If you ever hear me say that call me out on it because I I don't think that that is the case and we all respond differently to our internal and our external environment. So, with that being said, let's do a quick breakdown about fat, right? The the kind that we store on our bodies, the kind that people want to lose. Let's talk about that. Again, as I said, a thin person with a myriad of underlying health concerns doesn't need to lose weight to be healthy. Nobody's gonna say, "Oh man, you know, like I'm I'm looking at, I'm looking at your blood work and you got all this stuff going on. I think you need to." really check look into your diet you know you could stand to lose a few pounds nobody says that to a thin person who has health issues so why is that the first suggestion for a larger person when they go in for a checkup even if in some cases their overall health could be better than the thin person typically again we're we're talking about bmi or some other like i don't know like maybe you need to maybe you should consider this diet or this one, you know, like I just think that that isn't fair. And I think that it's, it's also, there's quite a lot of bias there. We are hearing a lot right now about the obesity epidemic and really we're hearing a lot about it as it relates to COVID because we have seen that, that people who have underlying conditions and obesity could be one of them could suffer more from COVID could take a longer time to recover or, you know, whatever. But here's what I believe. I don't believe we have an obesity epidemic. I believe that our fat cells tell a story. Our fat cells store toxins and they're inflammatory. And so my question is what is causing that to begin with? A lot of times we talk about stress, right? Stress, trauma that can majorly affect the way we store our weight, the way we gain weight, the way we fail to lose weight. We've got lots of commonly prescribed over-the-counter medications that people are taking. I mean, I am seeing people with a long laundry list of meds and we really don't know what that many medications put together actually do in the body and how they actually affect what's going on. And let's talk about genetically modified organisms. Look at our GMOs, look at all the pesticides. That can disrupt gut bacteria. That can mess with mitochondrial function that could increase oxidative stress uh even our radiation from our cell phones or you know everybody's talking about those <laughs> i'm like probably the only person that doesn't have an apple Smartwatch watch just because i refuse i rebel i get enough notifications on my phone that's attached to me all the time but that radiation can really negatively impact our cell membranes which ne- negatively impacts our mitochondria and if you have cells that are not healthy There is nothing else in your body that is going to be healthy. And so we need to look at all that. We need to look at all that as a whole. And again, a lot of those triggers, those things can disturb you, bother you, whether you're eating a healthy diet or not. So it's not always about the food that we eat. There are all sorts of other things going on in our external and our internal environment. So for some people, it's not a question, uh, or it's it's not a um, the whole idea of obesity isn't a diagnosis, right? The question is where are you storing your toxins? Are you storing them in your fat cells? And what's causing that? What what is causing that happen? What is what is causing that to happen? What is causing? that overall toxicity in your body. And so let's talk about the two different types of fat. We've got subcutaneous fat and we have visceral fat. The subcutaneous fat, that's the outer layer that you can pinch and that you can see. And right now, like I'm, I'm pinching my mine right now as I'm talking to you because I've got plenty. We all have, but that's really not the kind of fat that's so dangerous for our overall health. The internal visceral fat that surrounds major organs, that causes all sorts of long-term damage, and sometimes it's referred to as skinny fat, that's kind of something we need to be looking out for. There was actually a 2015 study, and it found that people with a lot of visceral fat, that internal kind, were in far more danger than when they don't have the subcutaneous fat. So that means that those people who are, quote, skinny fat, who look skinny and fit on the outside might actually be in more danger of an early death or chronic disease than those who do have more external fat. So, you know, again, we want to look at things from a balanced perspective. And I know that some of this is really hard to understand, and you might want to, like, In your head go nah that's not true Erin I'm not tracking with you and that's okay too Um, and I like and I'm not using this to say let's just eat whatever we want then and go crazy and let's get a lot of fat because it protects us because once again we really want to be concerned with this visceral fat this internal fat that's dangerous and we want to know how that's developed what's interesting about visceral fat is the number one contributor to visceral fat storage is are you ready for it stress Stress causes inflammation, and that causes a host of issues, whether you weigh 120 pounds, which I haven't weighed since about eighth grade, or 180 pounds, okay? So, like, if you have inflammation because you are chronically stressed, that's going to affect this internal fat that you can't see the outside so like i said before it's so easy to make this whole obesity epidemic a scapegoat we can see obesity we can see that people are getting larger in the last you know 30 years or so we can we can also see the obvious people have more access to food than ever before and we've got all sorts of cheap flavorful options that are not as nutrient dense as the food that people consumed a long time ago and which is great again it's convenient but we really need to up our new nutrient density because a lot of these cheap processed packaged foods are going to be a little bit more inflammatory to us and it's going to contribute to that overall stress that's going on in our bodies It's a logical conclusion if you just look at the outside that obesity is the problem. And if we lose weight, we will be healthier. But again, talking about that visceral subcutaneous fat, that changes the game. It really levels the playing field. A thin person needs to be as mindful of their health habits as a larger person because both can be at risk for major issues if left untreated. And there are plenty of reasons why some people struggle with their weight and some people don't. It really isn't a matter of calories in, calories out. And again, people aren't yet yeah, sure. There are people that are eating more than they used to, like back in the old days, But that's not it. That's not the only factor. It isn't a matter of like willpower versus laziness. That's not the only factor either. That one really drives me crazy. Well, they are a disciplined eater. I wish I could be so disciplined with my eating. No, that's not what it's about either. Even if, think about this, even if we all ate the same food every day for a year, it's going to show up differently on each person. That is really important to understand because of all of the other factors that aren't affected by food. We know by now that simply cutting calories is not the solution. And so your body doesn't know the difference between famine and diet. Your body wants to protect you and maintain homeostasis. So if your body senses that you're going to be doing a whole bunch of restricting right now for your New Year's resolution and I'm going to cut to X amount of calories, your body's going to go, oh, dang, I don't want to starve again. I better hold on to fat for the next famine. And remember, a body in stress will not digest. If your body is in a stress state, it will impact digestion and how you use your food. And not all calories are created equal. So even if you are going to restrict your calories in a massive way and you're like, hey, Erin, I hear what you're saying, but this has worked for me in the past and I'm still going to do it. And I'm like, okay, you do what you want to do. Well, you can choose to eat 100 calories worth of pretzels or 100 calories worth of vegetables. Your body's not going to use pretzels the same way it uses the vegetables. The fiber in the vegetables nourish gut bacteria, and those phytonutrients do wonderful things for neurotransmitters and brain health. The pretzels, what are they going to do? They're going to convert to glucose, and that might impact blood sugar in a negative way and impact where that glucose is stored or how it's used. For years, we've been lied to that fat, remember fat was the enemy and that we should fuel up on cereal and bread because it's lower calorie, there's less fat. But really that's actually caused more issues when it comes to blood sugar and mental health. And so all calories are not equal. <laughs> I mean, our cal- you know, like 100 calories of pretzels, 100 calories of vegetables, your body's gonna use it in a very different way. And so if you're saying you're gonna go low calorie you want to decrease what you're eating i don't know if it's so much the amount or or the quality is maybe something you should be focusing on more not necessarily quantity but the quality what kind of food are you eating because that's really going to make a bigger difference than just saying i'm going to eat instead of eating five pieces of pizza i'm going to eat one okay well what's what's something else that's packed with a little bit more nutrients that you can eat not that there's anything morally wrong with pizza there's not sometimes you know you you have pizza and that's life going back to we don't want to be so stressed out or so fixated on a diet plan because we don't want to lose our ability to trust our body and trust what our body needs for nourishment because that's the other thing anytime you go on a plan with a do or don't list of food all of your faith goes into that plan or that system And there's another popular diet that's out there and they're like, Oh no, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. If you hear that, that to me, that's also something that I'm like, "Eh," I'm not quite sure about that, but um, it's, I'm not going to say what it is again, but there are these cute little portion control containers, right? Like, so there's, you have this one little container that's like for your vegetables and there's one container that's for your carbs and one container. And it's, a really great idea actually. And it's a good way to visualize what you're eating. And, and I like the idea of making sure that you're including a fat and a vegetable and a protein. I think that's great. But what if, what if I had a busier day, I had a lot going on and actually want more food. What if I'm still hungry? What if I, maybe I want to have a meal and not have a carb that's a grain maybe i want to have vegetables for my carbs like every day requires a different energy expenditure your time of month where you are in your menstrual cycle if you're a female that requires a different energy expenditure and so we really need to be able to trust our bodies and respond accordingly with our food and not just depend on this is the set amount going back to calories and numbers and That's just exhausting. So some days, depending on my level of exercise, my busyness, my stress, some days I'm hungrier than other days. I can't allow this little plastic box to determine the amount of food that my unique body needs. We can disrupt our hunger hormones, and that's a whole other issue. We can mess with our leptin, that's the fullness hormone that tells us when we're full so much that we are, the more fat cells we have, the more resistant to it we can be. So people with more fat cells, they, they often feel like they can't ever get full, and it's true. Your your body has turned off that signal for fullness. It is important to take that into account, and it's it's going to be really hard for your body to determine whether or not you're truly full, but the more that we fuel ourselves on whole foods that are nutrient-dense, colorful, the more we will learn to level out these hunger hormones, and anyway... I'm just going to stop there with with the whole (laughs) calories in, calories out, and all the different diets that are out there. Another thing that I really feel like we need to mention and we really need to talk about when we're talking about weight loss is gut health. You've heard me talk about it a thousand times. If you follow me on social media, I am always talking about the importance of gut health, but it really does impact our weight loss or our weight gain. When you have gut dysbiosis, when you have an imbalance of good and bad, bad bacteria in your gut microbiome, it can impact what you weigh, how you gain or lose weight, and even what you eat and what you are craving. This is why two people can eat the same things and even grow up in the same household, but they can store weight completely differently. A lot of it has to do with your gut bacteria if you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria or not and there are great there are also really great ways to test that and find out and to adjust and there are ways to sometimes even go on a bit of an elimination diet to try to reestablish that balance and I think that that can be beneficial at times too. But going back to the idea of inflammation cuz if we're talking about gut health and if you have a leaky gut where The walls of of your your gut lining have been breached by a lot of these external toxins, and now you have things that are supposed to stay inside your gut coming out and causing wreaking havoc in your body. Now you might have some pro-inflammatory cytokines going on. You might have inflammation. Fat cells are inflammatory, and inflammation is a sign that something is going on that in your body that shouldn't happen. So if you just think about, like most of us were talking about inflammation, we're talking about acute inflammation, looking at injury. When you get injured, you get a cut or something like that. Your body activates an inflammatory response in a good way that speeds up the healing process. That's, again, part of the design. It's great. But the problem is, is that we are having chronic inflammation right now on a cellular level that often comes from this poor gut health. And so intestinal Permeability, I mentioned that before when you have a breach in the lining of the of the gut, it starts with that toxic overload. And that could come from environmental toxins, pesticides on your food, toxins in household products, like even your makeup, plastics, mold toxins. I had a podcast interview a few months ago that we talk all about the different environmental toxins. So I'm not going to get too much into that. But emotional stress is another toxin that can break down the gut lining, psychological stress. I can't remember, gosh, now now I'm gonna have to backtrack and try to remember, but there's some kind of study that talks about how psychological stress for just an hour, two hours, can completely change the makeup of your gut bacteria. And that, to me, is, that should be an aha moment for all of us on how our stress impacts things. But anyway, so when you have leaky gut, when you have an overgrowth of this bad bacteria, it impacts everything. And things like migraines, allergies, asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune issues, thyroid issues, mental health issues, all of these come from leaky gut and this inflammation, the pro-inflammatory cytokines, and weight gain can also be a result of leaky gut and the inflammation That that comes from it. So what's another thing that's interesting if we're talking about more studies uh, there have been studies done in mice where the larger mice that have have a less diverse microbiome than the mice who are thinner. The bacteria in your gut makes a huge difference in your health outcomes, including this ability to lose weight. And we've seen that in my studies. We've seen it in humans. It also affects your cravings. It's not your fault. It's not lack of willpower that you can't stop reaching for the cupcakes and the bread basket, going back to that whole, oh, I just need to be disciplined. No, the more you consume them, the more your bad bacteria is going to feed off of them and create more cravings. It's this vicious cycle that I wish I knew about a long time ago. When I first started working on my gut health and improving my gut health, that was the first side effect I saw was my sugar cravings weren't as bad. And I thought, oh my gosh, where has this been my whole life? This is really, this is helpful. It's, it's so nice to feel free from these sugar cravings. And so I think the best thing that we need to do for our gut to improve gut health, to improve this inflammatory response is go by the rule of addition, not addiction, <laughs> addition. Think about what we can add in we can add in probiotics like i said before talking about all the antibiotics that are in our in our animal products um or the antibiotics maybe that we were on in childhood or now i mean antibiotics are really creating a lot of problems for people because we're seeing now more and more people antibiotic resistant and that could be problematic long term in the next generation but we want to add in probiotics. We want to add in vegetables. That vegetables are wonderful for containing prebiotic fiber, which is going to help act as like a fertilizing agent for the good bacteria. And we don't get enough fiber in the modern American diet, unless you know you're counting like your grandma's Metamucil, right? Like, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about vegetable true vegetable fiber even things like chia seeds that's a great form of fiber as well but keep in mind you know going back to what I was saying at the beginning poor gut health it doesn't just affect larger people just because someone on the outside appears to be healthy they don't look like they have inflammatory fat cells because they are in a smaller body that doesn't mean that they aren't affected by leaky gut as well there are plenty of people again like I mentioned earlier that are at an acceptable weight for their height, whatever that even means, but they've got plenty of issues going on and a lot of their issues are related back to this whole problem of gut dysbiosis. I have noticed just personally, when we're talking about things like sugar cravings and trying to reduce sugar cravings, I have noticed that upping my protein and upping my healthy fat really helps when I am making sure that I'm getting a lot of good protein and a lot of good fat that can help reduce my sugar cravings, especially if I start my day like that. So, um, oh, and healthy fat. That's another really cool thing about healthy fat is that it can help absorb, help us absorb our nutrients from our vegetables. So if I'm going to have vegetables, I love to cook my vegetables, roast, or, or have them raw in a salad with something like olive oil, or again, if I'm roasting or sauteing, grass-fed butter, coconut oil. And even avocado oil can be really good. It doesn't have as much of a taste as that as olive oil does, and so sometimes I like that better as a salad dressing. Butter and ghee contain something, it's a short-chain fatty acid called butyrate, and that's super important for our gut health, and it also affects our neurotransmitters. And I've even read that it can be helpful for people with bipolar disorder protein as i mentioned before i like to include that it's really the most satiating macronutrient nutrient i mean like when's the last time you said oh my gosh i had i really went overboard on the steak i had like 3 steaks last night nobody says that <laughs> it's because it's so filling and so that also can really help cut cravings for excess carbs processed carbs and sugar so when we are again that rule of addition when we are loading our bodies up with things like fat and protein and vegetables sometimes we get so used to those flavors we kind of lose the craving for sugar just because we've adjusted our taste in that way all right so because stress impacts our gut bacteria it is really really important to check in with yourself if you find yourself consistently craving sugar and carbs to see if you're using them as a coping mechanism i am All about food freedom. And I really want people to find the food that makes them feel their best. And like I said, that's going to be different for everyone. But sometimes we reach for sugar because it is stimulating a dopamine response in our body when we're having a hard time dealing with unpleasant emotions. So when you're reaching for something sweet, ask yourself what you're really wanting. And that's when I kind of do a heart check. And that's heart is an acronym, and that stands for Are you hurting? Are you exhausted? Are you angry? Are you resentful? Are you tense? I mean, I think we've all probably experienced all of those at some point this year. I can guarantee it. But if so, maybe process through those emotions and figure out what's going on internally before you reach for the bag of chips or the box of cookies. I mean, I'm fine with, you know cookies, like, again, there's nothing morally wrong with these things. But if we're using anything, whether it's food or alcohol or shopping, or, you know, if we're using anything as a coping mechanism, because we don't want to deal with unpleasant emotions, we need to check in on ourselves on that. Because that stress about whatever it is that's going on as I said in the beginning, is really going to do a number on your health, and stress impacts, and, and that's something else, you know, I, I posted about this right before Thanksgiving, because I, I was just taking a walk, and I was thinking about how we get so obsessed about, oh my gosh, I'm, a, I'm afraid, not everybody, but some people get worried about, oh, I'm, you know, it's the holidays, and I'm going to go overboard with sugar, and Let's think about how your body responds to sugar. It might throw off your glucose metabolism for a couple hours, few hours, but your stress about that sugar, your stress about what you're eating, that could last for days. And that could really throw off the way your body is digesting, And the way that your body is internally dealing with your food far more and in a far more negative way than if you just have sugar at one point. So that's something to think about, too. Like what's really going to be giving you more of a negative long term impact, a piece of pie Or your stress about that piece of pie and how you try to make up for it days later and Exercising and eating clean and doing a detox and the cabbage soup diet Which I used to do all the time after the holidays and now like actually the other day I was craving cabbage soup because it just sounded good to me But I used to do it almost as a punishment and that is stressful We don't want to be punishing our bodies that is going to just make that stress response stronger. And so I am not opposed to elimination diets on a short-term basis, or if you felt like you've had a whole period of of eating crazy and you just kind of want to balance things out, like I don't think there's really, going back to what I said in the beginning, I think I've been really hard on some diets and some things like I've, I've been real down on Whole30 for a while because I do think it's a little extreme. But I think that the intent behind these things aren't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's good to give our bodies a break from this overconsumption of everything, right? Like sometimes it's it's good to fast. Like times of feasting, times of fasting. That is a natural rhythm of life that has been going on for thousands of years. And so it's good to listen to your body on that. But we do ideally want our bodies to be able to adapt to small doses of Say sugar or <laughs> inflammatory substances, because that's that's really important for our bodies to understand how to process these things. If you completely eliminate things forever, you know, we don't live in a bubble. There's there's gonna be a toxin sneaking in somewhere. And so I think just finding that balance is really important. And that's where I do love the idea of time restrict time restricted eating, intermittent fasting. I know that gets a bad rap too. But even just a 12-hour break between when you're eating, that can really help give your digestive system a break. It helps give your brain a break, and it helps your, your body digest the food that you consume during the day. So other things, when we're talking about weight loss or weight gain, something else to factor in with weight gain, look at genetics. Look at, look at what people people's sizes are around you, you know, or your parents' ability to lose or gain weight. Look at medications. I talked about that before. History of medications. Gosh, I mean, I was on really heavy-hitting meds for almost 20 years. And I, I think that that potentially has created, and I have nothing to back this up. No, I don't have a study. Just a few medical professionals that I've talked to have said that it could have possibly caused some metabolic dysfunction for me just because I was on these things for so long. So, I mean, that's something to consider too, because if your liver isn't detoxing properly. If your body has excess carbohydrate storage, you're going to store fat in that way as well. If you have blood sugar imbalances. So when we are consuming a lot of food that is processed and packaged and all that, it is difficult for our bodies to break those down and recognize them as fuel for the body. So of course we're going to store weight. So what is the solution to this? And and again, I, I want us to look at weight gain as a symptom and not just like an issue is itself like what's actually going on and you and so when we're looking at a solution the one thing I can say is find what works for you and look at those underlying factors that I just discussed are you eating enough food are you restricting too much are you putting your body in famine mode or do you have a history of disordered eating that could be real problematic are you exposing yourself to a lot of environmental toxins how many vegetables are you eating in a day? Or are you? Are you depending on processed package bars? Are you falling for some quick fix diet that is not offering you real unprocessed whole foods the way that your body was designed to eat them? How are you managing your stress? That's the big, oh my gosh, if I, 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 I have done a whole, I was going to say, if I, if I could do a whole podcast episode on stress, hey, I've done that before. Go look back and find it <laughs> because I think that that's so important we want to do things that support our body's health for a lifetime not some short-term quick fix that's not going to last because if you are just going to look at i am going to lose 20 pounds by april well what happens in april you lose your 20 pounds are you just going to go back no we're talking about health for a lifetime short habits I've had so many people come on talking about this it's really important and this is again why my approach as I said I I go a little rogue why my approach to weight loss is different I want to look at why you are gaining weight what is triggering that where can we limit your internal and your external stressors the worst thing that we can do is look at someone who's overweight and assume they're lazy they don't have willpower And what's even worse than that? No, 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 that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is you looking at yourself that way because I want to free you up from that way of thinking. That is not even true. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I want you to push that outside of your head. I think sometimes we are the opposite. We are doing too much in this fast-paced modern lifestyle and we don't actually have a chance to nourish ourselves the way that we need to. So to be your own health advocate this new year, Okay, and to really set some resolutions, if you like that kind of thing, that are doable and helpful for you, I want you to take an observational approach to your health. Is there trauma that you've experienced in your life that you need to deal with because you potentially could be storing that in your body? Address that. Go see a therapist. I've had many on my podcasts and they're amazing. Go do something like EMDR. Learn the tapping technique. That can be really helpful too. Learn some breathing exercises. What is your body doing with your trauma? And are you constantly yo-yo dieting? Have you, how many diets have you been on this year? Or every year are you starting a new New Year's resolution that's a diet? Are you still looking for that magic cure? Well, what's that doing for your stress levels? How are you stressing your body out with that? And then look at what, what toxins are you exposed to? How can you lighten the load? And maybe that is food. You know, maybe maybe there's something in your diet that you think, I just need to get rid of that. I would say for most people, if I could encourage you to do one thing for your health, please get rid of the vegetable oils. I think that that does more long-term damage for us than just about anything else. It's get rid of the vegetable oils. Get rid of the canola. Get rid of soybean oil. Get ri- rid of safflower, sunflower, corn. Uh, what's what's the other one? I mean, just plain vegetable oil. Just get it out of your house. In um, most restaurants, they use it, so <laughs> you want to be aware of that too, and and limit the the time that you eat out. Start eating from home and using those really awesome natural oils like grass fed butter and ghee, and you know all the good stuff. Coconut oil is another one I love. Olive oil is proven again and again to be helpful in decreasing inflammation, and avocado oil. Still, as of right now, is one that is being recommended. You never know. With, with that one, I'm not always as sure of. Um, and then how are you taking care of your gut health? Again, that might mean you need to deal with your stress, your trauma, your, all of that stuff that happened to you in the past. That's going to impact your gut health. Or maybe you need to add on a probiotic. You know, the very first thing I did for myself, and I will say that I started because I wanted to lose weight. That was my main motivating factor. But the first thing I did for my health was I started supplements. I started a probiotic, I started a magnesium supplement, and I started this drink that I thought was going to be this magical drink that would help me lose weight. But really what it did was it it helped with my liver, it helped my liver detox, and it helped my blood sugar, um, and it, it improved the way that my body handled glucose. And so... You know, for me, I thought I was doing this magical quick fix thing, but turned out that was the thing that my body needed to regain balance. Um, And so I continued taking supplements just because they made me feel so much better and they improved my health in so many ways. But I really want you to ask yourself two questions before you go on any health and wellness plan. Number one, if I do this plan and weight loss isn't the end goal, am I going to be okay with that? Are you going to be okay if you do, if you make a New Year's resolution and you make some changes and you don't lose lose weight, would you be okay with that? Is it still worth it to you? Because unfortunately, sometimes we're only in it for the weight loss, and we don't see that it might take longer <laughs> to actually kind of rebalance our bodies to a state where they're more resilient. Because that's what we want, is we want our bodies to be in a resilient state. And then the other thing I would ask, you or have you asked yourself will doing this program or plan cause me more anxiety and mental health issues than not is it going to cause you to stress out over going to restaurants or being with friends if so that's not worth it either that's why the plan that i do it's real food meets real life because we need to figure out how to eat in this world that we're in not some bubble that nobody lives in and the last thing I'm going to share here, because I feel like I've been going on forever and ever, and I'm sorry this is taking so long, but I do feel passionately about this, this topic. The last thing I will share, there are times in my life when I experienced weight gain and when I'm talking about weight gain, I'm talking about being higher than what my typical set point weight is. But those times it was my body telling me that something was off. It was either a reaction to a medication I was taking, a reaction to an internal or external stress or hormone imbalance, or it was a result of toxicity, or again, going back to gut health, which is kind of tied in with all those things. When I feed my body nutrient-dense foods, when I take the supplements I mentioned before to restore what my body doesn't get or absorb from food, when I am moving my body, when I'm sweating out toxins, when I'm learning to manage my stress, my weight does find its set point. Is it always, is it the weight that I think it should be? And guys, and that's another thing. We gotta, we gotta readjust our expectations because my body's been through a lot and I am so proud of it for holding up the way it has. And I have been searching for that goal weight for, let's see, probably 30 years now. And not necessarily weight, but this, this size that I think I should be and i'm learning after three decades of this to accept that my body is doing the best it can to level out the toxicity to hold itself up in this crazy world and i don't think the goal is ever to be perfect health we're not going to find perfect health but we can do the best we can with what we have and so again, just thank your body. Thank your body for holding itself up for this long because there's there's a lot being thrown at us right now. And they're like, again, I mentioned all those toxins. It's kind of overwhelming. So you're doing such a great job. And I recently developed a mantra for myself. I'm gonna share it with you. You are just the right size for the eternity-sized mission God has planned for you. I really believe that. I don't want my weight or the weight that I want to be to hold me back from doing the things I need to do today. I don't want my stress about my weight to negatively impact my health. I can make the choices that I need to make to feel nourished and well. And I know that there is a purpose and plan for my life at any size, at any point of toxicity, no matter what is going on. That's really, that's really my purpose is, is being part of a grander, plan, not just how am I looking today? How's my belly looking? So instead of getting wrapped up in weight and weight loss and your new year's resolution regarding weight, which is fine, but I do want to encourage you to take a deeper look at your health this year. If you truly have experienced significant weight gain and maybe you have, it's been a stressful year. So again, stress can pack on the pounds. If you, and if you truly believe that weight even hinders you from living out your purpose, Maybe you're in a place where you feel like you can't be or do the things that you want to do or the person you want to be. Take a deeper look. Give yourself grace in this process. View your weight as a symptom and not a cause. It's not anything irresponsible that you've done. It's not a lack of discipline or any of those things. Instead of setting a massive resolution or some weight goal, think of ways that you can up your nutrient density. Think of what you can add in. How can you nourish yourself through what you put into your mouth, through the way that you move your body, through the way that you manage your stress? And I'm starting a Feast of Fast group. This is the, the group coaching program that I run. On January 4th, like I said, I'm going to promote my thing and I'm going to feel okay about it because what I love about it is it really is a way to find freedom from food confusion by eating whole nutrient-dense foods in a way that does fit into real life outside of restrictions and crazy extremes. And the program is packed with evidence-based research on why we eat the way we do, along with practical tips, hundreds of recipes, and a community of support in a private group on Facebook. And I would love it if you joined me in that journey because I do love this program, and I think it's really helpful because it really does tie in that entire uh, body, mind, and spirit aspect of holistic health. So I hope that this was helpful for you. I've been blabbing on for who knows how long. I want us all to take a different look at weight this year and weight loss, weight gain, and take a different approach. And if you need any help with that, reach out to me, contact me, sparkingwholeness.com. It's all over the place. You can just Google me, search, search that website, contact me. I would love to help you out and help you find freedom from this. And if weight loss is a goal, I'd love to help support you in that as well. Again, I am not like this extreme anti-weight loss person. I want you to find healthy in a way that, that is workable, doable for you. So that's all I have. And you have a wonderful day and I will catch you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to sparking wholeness for more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Check out my website, SparkingWholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show, wherever you listen to podcasts and to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.